Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Episode 202 for the love of the game on the Believe Podcast Network is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online remains your number one source for all your college basketball betting this season. Get analysis of every play, prop, and point at Bet Online. Updated odds from everything from live games, everything Sweet 16 related, Final Four related, and the championship game. Bet Online is your college basketball headquarters for the remainder of this NCAA tournament. Head to the website or use your mobile device today. Sign up and get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Use promo code BLEAV. That's B L E A V to receive 50% on your first deposit. BetOnline.ag, where the game starts with that said. Episode 202 for the love of the game. Let's get this work. Dress it up and make it real for me. <laughs> Welcome back, welcome back. Episode 202 for the love of the game. With yours truly, it's ATH, Aaron Tobin, Hess, back in the saddle, back behind the mic. And what a weekend. What a weekend in the NCAA tournament. We had upsets galore. We have 15 seeds in the Sweet 16. Shout out to Princeton. I'd like to thank Purdue for officially knocking me out of Survivor. That was really cool. They lost to Fairleigh Dickinson this weekend. 16 over a one seed. That's only happened once before. We're going to get into all that stuff with Jordan Marks in a little bit. As I mentioned last episode, he's practically a co-host for the next couple of weeks. But a couple of things outside of the world of March Madness. First and foremost, on the New York football front, some big news. The New York Giants traded for tight end Darren Waller for a third-round pick. Basically, the pick they got in the Kadarius-Tony trade, Darren Waller. Pro Bowl tight end, all pro caliber tight end. I mean, this is a great pickup. I mean, the Giants are kind of in a bind. There aren't that many really good wide receivers out there via free agency, out there via trade. So they got the best pass catcher available. Is he injury prone? Yes, but it's a great move for the Giants. Good move for Daniel Jones, putting pieces around him. And Aaron Rodgers for the New York Jets says he intends on playing for the New York Jets this season. Now they're just trying to figure out a trade, what the compensation is going to look like. Is Aaron Rodgers officially a member of the New York Jets? No. Is this going to make Jet fans crazy until it actually happens? Yes. But Aaron Rodgers will most likely be playing for the New York Jets this coming fall. Exciting times for the Jets. That division has the potential to be a really tough division, arguably the best division in football. Good for the Jets. Is it shades of Brett Favre 2.0? Yes, but remember, before Brett Favre got hurt, they think they were 8-3 and three or something like that in cruising. So we'll see how that goes. But yeah, it looks like Aaron Rodgers will be playing for the New York Jets. Now, I am personally not a huge World Baseball Classic guy. It just doesn't push the needle for me. That's not my thing. But 
it's been a little exciting. The United States is going to be playing in the finals, I think, against Mexico or Japan. That'll be interesting. The players seem to like it. Mike Trout has raved about it. Mookie Betts has raved about it. One sour note, though. One sour note, obviously, on the New York Mets front. Edwin Diaz, the best closer in baseball last year, who just signed a $100 million contract. Tore a teletendon in his knee out for the year. He didn't do it pitching. He did it celebrating a win. I mean, just incredibly bad luck for the New York Mets. Now, will it sink their season? No. If there's any position where you can rebound from, it's closer. I mean, we saw years ago, Rafael Soriano stepped in for the New York Yankees when Mariano Rivera tore his knee up, shagging fly balls in the outfield, saved 40 games. No problem. This will not sink the Mets season. But it's just one of those things. that It's just so unlucky and unfortunate. And every Met fan has PTSD, well, about being a Met fan. And this is just another case of this. So tough break for the Mets. Tough break for Edwin Diaz. I hope he comes back strong. I mean, the whole thing with the trumpets last year was great. And the Mets now need to figure out the closer position because they had it on lock last year because he was absolutely sensational. So tough break for the Mets. But the best thing in sports that I've seen outside the NCAA tournament before, again, we're going to get into tournament stuff later on the show. We're going to talk a lot of NBA coming down the stretch. We're taking a little bit of break from the NBA. But the best thing in sports that I saw the last week actually comes from the World Baseball Classic. I've spoken about this guy before on the show, Jacob Steinmetz, modern Orthodox Jewish kid, grew up in the five towns in New York, not far from where I grew up. Basically, same background as me, he was drafted to the Arizona Diamondbacks. Well, he pitched for Team Israel, and he went up against the Dominican Republic. A stacked lineup, Manny Machado, Juan Soto, Jeremy Pena, Gary Sanchez. Like, we're talking about an all-star team, right? A legit all-star team. And he got his first start in the World Baseball Classic at 19 years old. This is a kid who grew up like me, who's basically living out my dream, all right, of being a pro athlete as a modern Orthodox Jewish guy. And what does this guy do in his first start? He goes out, pitches an inning and two-thirds. He gives up one run. Again, this is the Dominican Republic team, okay? One run in an inning and two-thirds. Walks two, strikes out three guys. He struck out Manny Machado. He struck out Gary Sanchez. He struck out Jeremy Pena. He had stuff that Juan Soto was genuinely impressed by. Juan Soto and Manny Machado are two of the 10 best hitters in baseball. Jeremy Pena won last year's World Series MVP, and Gary Sanchez has been an all-star in this league and has hit 30 home runs in a season. He struck out three of those guys. Did Team Israel win the game? No, they did not. But who the hell cares? Because 
a guy with my background on the biggest stage he's ever pitched at 19 years old. Again, the youngest guy to make a World Baseball Classic start against All-Stars, Major League Baseball All-Stars, had an incredibly impressive showing. It's the best story in sports for me. It's my favorite story in sports. I said it before when I talked about him. I will root for him wherever he goes, wherever he goes. But the fact that at 19 against that lineup, he did that. And some of those pitches were filthy. The curveball that he threw to Jeremy Pena to strike him out was absolutely nasty. This kid has my background. I've spoken to his father who coaches Yeshiva University basketball. I DM with him on Instagram all the time. I could not have been more proud of watching Jacob Steinmetz than I was that night he pitched against the DR. Absolutely incredible. It was the best thing I've seen in sports all year. The best. The absolute best. And again, that's coming from somebody who doesn't really care for the World Baseball Classic, but I could not keep my eyes off him. It was electric. The fact that somebody with that background is more than likely going to be a Major League Baseball player in two to three years, at least the September call-up, that's the pace we're on, is astonishing. It's absolutely astonishing, and I can't get enough of it. I watched the highlights multiple, multiple times. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. Anyway, that's a quick open. We have a lot to discuss. NCAA tournament. What happened this past weekend. The upsets. We have so much to get into. And we're going to get into it with Jordan Marks in just a matter of moments. I mentioned in the monologue, he's back. Jordan, we're here to recap an eventful opening weekend of the NCAA tournament. How you doing, man? Are you exhausted? Do you feel uh, sluggish on this Monday after uh, wall-to-wall action? How you feeling? This Monday is, yeah, I mean, this, I feel good. I mean, this Monday is always a tough Monday to get back into this, the flow of regular human being life. Um, did you but, get your workouts in, in between? Like, how did you, you know, keep your mind from like, no, you know, staying <laughs> sharp, being locked no. in? Unfortunately, now with the two kids, workouts are very secondary to to anything. It's just you got the games, and then the first two days, I mean, time for family is at a minimal. And then, you know, as you get into the round of 32, that takes up any extra time in the a.m. portion of the day. So, um, but we're back, and it was really just a historic, unforgettable weekend of basketball. Yeah, uh, shout out to Scott Krinsky who runs our survivor pool. Uh, the fact that he basically took my money and pocketed it immediately with me having zero chance to win. Shout out to Virginia and their loss. We'll get to them in a second. That was bad because we had them opening day. Only for me to buy back in and then put my hopes on Purdue. You know, 16 over the one seed, fairly Dickinson over Purdue. So I was done within the first 48 hours. No shot. <laughs> no shot. It just, it wasn't my year. I, 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 it wasn't my year from the get-go. I should have probably not even bought back in, but I did because I'm a sucker. And 
I put my money on Purdue, and that was a sucker, sucker move. But anyway, okay, so it was a crazy weekend. So besides for Purdue, who is obviously the biggest loser this weekend, you know, we'll start there. We'll get to the second biggest loser, but let's start with Purdue. Number one seed loses to Fairleigh Dickinson, the 16th seed, who didn't even win their conference tournament, who got in from a technicality. Purdue now has lost to a 13 seed, a 15 seed, and a 16 seed in the last three years of the tournament. Where do they go from here? I mean, Matt Painter is a is a good coach by all accounts. But but what do they do now? Seriously. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt about it. Big loser. I mean, as much as an incredible story that the Knights of Fairleigh Dickinson from Teaneck, New Jersey. Under they said a- it on the broadcast. They're like, you know, people watching in Teaneck are going to be loving this. And I forgot who tweeted it. It was like, it was some Jewish guy. It's like, <laughs> people watching in Teaneck will be loving this. It's not something I ever thought I would hear on a national sporting broadcast. First year coach in Tobin Anderson, who kind of looks like he's a, a dual employee at the university, like men's basketball coach and potentially like a sociology teacher, uh, bringing uh, in, his, in his first year, they won four games last year. They are the shortest team in Division One, and somehow they get, this is just a true David versus Goliath slaying the seven foot four National Player of the Year in, in Zach Eady um, for just the second time in the history of the NCAA tournament. I mean, you have to feel horrible for Matt Painter and the Boilermakers, but we did say it leading up last week. We said it leading into the tournament. Uh, the lack of experience in Purdue's backcourt um, made Purdue the most vulnerable one seed in the field from a competitive standpoint. And just the way that those guards have been playing leading into the tournament, and we were right. I mean, Braden Smith and Fletcher Lawyer were combined 6 of 20 from the field with 10 turnovers. Um, They threw multiple bodies at Zach Eady. And not only were the shots not falling, but really no one other than Eady was willing to make a play. Um, Yeah. This is a blemish on Matt Planters. Otherwise, like you said, he's potentially a Hall of Fame type career. I mean, the guy's incredible. Um, but the pressure starts to mount here. I mean, it's easy to, for him to go and say, well, Virginia won the national championship the year after they lost to UMBC. But th- th- the parallels end there. I mean, they they are not bringing multiple NBA players back like Virginia had that year. Um, and high-level prospects coming in, combined with that returning experience from what was previously a one seed. That Virginia team, totally different, um, and also lost to a better team in UMBC. But it this is going to be tough, and Zach Eady should will probably return. I mean, it looks like he's on some draft boards, but I don't know what kind of position that is in the NBA. But, again, totally dejecting finish here for this Purdue season uh, after really, really some impressive stuff during the regular season. But, um, yeah, terrible. It wasn't just the guards offensively, though. I mean, Zach Eady, I was listening to the Bill Simmons podcast, and he was talking about how Eady would have a place in the league but the guards for Fairleigh Dickinson just drove by him at will. Like, he didn't offer any resistance at the rim. And he's 7'4", and they were just driving right by him. I'm just like, I'm not sure how this guy is going to be able to play at the next level. And those guards, 
those guards aren't big NBA guards. No, they're tiny. That guy, Dimitri Roberts, I was, is five foot eight, 160 pounds. <laughs> this is, it was unbelievable. Wild, wild. Shout out to the state of New Jersey. We'll get to the state of New Jersey in a second because they had another incredible showing that's still going on. But yeah, I, I just don't know where Purdue goes from here. Like, do you even make a coaching change? Like, obviously, Matt Painter would be picked up on the open market like this, right? Like, totally. it, it, it would take five minutes. But what do you do if you're Purdue? Totally. I, you, you, the NCAA tournament is, is a beast. I, it, it is what it is. I, you know, this is clearly something that's going to that's gonna hurt him, and I'm I'm honestly rooting for him, obviously. Like, I know he's a great coach. I know Purdue, Purdue is not losing to eight, nine, six seeds. They're losing to high seeds because they are so successful during the season. It's just this tournament is another is another animal. So something he's going to have to get over the hump. And, you know, if you keep getting shots, eventually you're going to get over it. So, I mean, I, I don't think they're cursed or Well, anything. not really, because if you go back to Purdue's history, like Gene uh, Cady, I don't think – ever won a sweet 16 game i just and he's a hall of fame coach firing him would be reckless to me but it's i i I understand why people are saying it you're you're not wrong like the double digit losses are terrible but at the same time like you need to get these at-bats and any other program in america would jump at him so of course Maybe it's it's just the school. I think the school is probably just cursed. It's <laughs> it's it's really bad. Okay, so they were clearly the biggest loser this weekend. Outside of Purdue, who was the next biggest loser this weekend? Because to me, it has to be the team that knocked me out the first time in Survivor, and that's Virginia. Yeah, I mean, Virginia. It's it's more. That was more of just like an incredible ending to a game and just, I don't really know why Kihei Clark throws that pass without anyone coming back to come in and help him. That's really a brutal loss. And And they had a timeout. He's trapped in the corner. They have a timeout and he just decides to throw it up thinking that time was going to run out. But not only did time not even come close to running out, but they made the shot with like 2.1 seconds left. That's totally, it's a brutal really fun ending um I, you know there's some other losers here but there was a lot of double digit seeds that had these games won that really blew them late uh so arizona state up five three minutes to go on tcu um and even after they hit a big three uh with 1.7 seconds left they lose on a jacoby cole's floater uh drake blew an eight point lead with under five against miami in the first round VCU neglected to make a single field goal in the last eight minutes after leading early in the second half. Um, just those type of double digit seeds. Like when you have the lead late to falter is just, oh, you're such losers. Um, and then Arizona and Kansas, which I'm sure we're going to get to because, oh man, to have such great seasons and then to not even make it through to the second weekend. Yeah. After just no, total no shows um, that down the stretch there. Well, I don't think, I don't think, Kansas would be considered in the same boat as Arizona. Arizona in this respect. Obviously, because, well, that came in the round of 32 as opposed to the first round. It wasn't to a 15 seed. Oh, um, wow. But, yeah, no, it, 
for a team that set the record with the most quad one wins, like to bow out in the first weekend is a little disappointing, even though their coach wasn't on the sidelines, even though they had won last year, it was just a weird ending. But yeah, to me, the biggest loser outside of Purdue has to be Virginia, just because if you look at Tony Bennett, like he lost to a 16 seed as a one seed, you know, he had that one title, but outside of that, like he's had a very up and down run in this NCAA tournament. For sure. I mean, he had a national championship, so it's hard to say. And he's had multiple ACC championships. So I, I get it. But yeah, for sure. That was, they had the game won too, right? It's the game was won. In Mumbai, the you, bag. It was you, in the bag. You beat a, a good Furman team and it, it was done. The game was over. So that that's just unfortunate. So yeah. From the biggest losers to the biggest winner. The biggest winner is the state of New Jersey between FDU and Princeton. Princeton, the 15 seed who beat Arizona, is now in the Sweet 16. How about the Garden State? How about it? Wow. I mean, Princeton, it's uh, <laughs> it's so funny. You see all these like memes of uh... – you know, the Princeton celebrating, and there's just nothing happening. It's just nothing crickets. happening. They couldn't give a shit. Unreal. It's 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 not even the the individual players. It's really the system here, I think, and just the way they attack Tubelis in 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 the Arizona game, and just and then Arizona's shooters just not doing anything to help him out. No one was helping him. Just Tubelis and Balo were the only ones that can get anything going. And then Princeton, they're not going to turn the ball over. That's just not that's not the way they've ever played. And if you're not going to turn the ball over against a team like Arizona, you got a chance because Arizona will totally eat you alive if you start turning the ball over. They have much better athletes, incredible length and speed. They're just an explosive team. But in the half court, they're beatable. And that's exactly what happened and unbelievable. And then it happened again. Missouri just froze up again in the round of 32. So, my Lord, a 15 seed again is dancing in the second weekend. Truly, truly incredible. You got to love Charles Barkley being like, well, if you're Arizona, you hate to lose to the smart kids. (laughs) (laughs) Funny. And only he could get away with saying that, but it was just hilarious. It's like, you hate to lose to the smart guys. Absolutely. I mean, that's (laughs) so good. Yeah, Arizona, big disappointment, but but Princeton, absolutely incredible. And we got to talk about Fairleigh Dickinson because they played a great game in the second round too, um, and and really almost almost had it. Yeah, I mean, again, Fairleigh Dickinson with those cards, that uh, Dimitri Robert. I mean, they were so fast. I was like, what the hell is going on here? Because as it as it came down, you know. FAU, they had some uh, John L. Davis and, and John L. Davis and, and Elijah Martin would make some big shots. They'd go up eight, and all of a sudden it's a tie game again. I'm like, what the heck? And it was it was incredible. They, their big man was decent, and even though he's only six six, um, but it was really really unbelievable. Um, and uh, yeah, Florida Atlantic's moving on, and 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 we'll see what they can do against Tennessee in the Garden. But the the crazy thing about you know Fairleigh Dickinson was. When they were down like four or six at like the very end of the second half, they needed the missed free throws to get him back. They got the missed free throws. They got two missed free throws, a missed layup, and a turnover, and that was all she wrote. But like, 
they got what they were looking for. I mean, the guy down six, I forget what the guard's name was, the miniature guard, misses a point-blank layup. Yeah. And, you know, that, that was that, it. Yeah. But what, what a run for them. Outside of the state of New Jersey, who else was a big winner this weekend? I think the Big East in general. Um, I think the Big East was definitely a big winner. Um, even with Marquette losing. Even with Marquette losing. I mean, we, we said that overall balance of that conference was, was really strong. And, you know, Xavier lost Matt, Zach Fremantle, but no problem. I mean, they only ended up beating Pitt by 11, but they really laid waste with Pitt yesterday, I thought. Um, and, yeah, they, they ran into a little trouble with Kennesaw State in round one, but they overcame that. Um, Xavier really impressed me. UConn, another team, super impressive to me. Um, What's his name? Is a monster. Sonogo and Sonogo was unbelievable in the round of thirty-two. I mean, both then, rounds. Yeah, and I think they shot about right around forty-two percent from three in in the second round. Second half of that game, uh, Jordan Hawkins wouldn't miss a shot. It was they were awesome, and then Creighton, Creighton again, just really, really efficient, great shooting, and again, we said Baylor was one of the most explosive offensive teams. No problem for Creighton. Um, and they're now in a Sweet 16 as well. So Big East, really impressive weekend. So you said the Big East, which was high up on my list in terms of other winners outside the state of New Jersey. But for me, it's it's Arkansas and, and Coach Eric Musselman. Oh, yeah. Because that Kansas team is a very impressive Kansas team. I know no Bill Self, as we mentioned before on the sidelines, but – you know, they set the record for quad one wins, and that was the most exciting game of the opening weekend to me. Like, that game was crazy. And for them to take it down like that, uh, I mean, super, super impressive. I mean, th this is a run that Musselman's on now that that's, you know, he's really, you know, cementing himself in terms of another level of, of coach, right? Right now, we're seeing a lot of the old guard is basically, you know, retiring or being phased out. And it's this new crop that's coming up. And, yeah, he hasn't won a national title yet, but he seems to be, like, at the forefront or putting himself at the forefront of this new crop of coach. No, absolutely. I mean, that was that was an awesome game. Um, and, you know, there was a lot of fouls that were interrupting the game quite a bit. Um, but the fact that... Arkansas had to play in such foul trouble and overcame that. And they took KJ Adams out of the game. They're, you know, Kansas's main big man. Um, and then just, yeah, shot making. Ricky Council and Devo Davis were awesome. Um, and they did that. And, you know, this, this is, again, this is something that we said. It was really unfair to Kansas because their draw was just terrible. Like, right. it, it, we, we assumed that they'd get to the Sweet 16. But, like, to play against a team with multiple first round prospects like that sucks in the second round and you saw it you saw it it was they were awesome and yeah that was Arkansas super impressive and I would be scared to play them now so I mean, I mean you just mentioned it like the team has a pedigree right totally they have a totally. pedigree now the coach has a pedigree and they do have NBA prospects so for them to be uh, a seven seed no I'm sorry an eight seed or something like that an eight seed right they're an eight seed, yeah. An eight seed, right? Because they would be they're playing the one in the second round. That that that's just that's just rough. I mean, if you would have switched spots between you know Kansas and Purdue, like 
I think Kansas would be, you know, a, a lot Amen. more of a lock to have gotten to at least the Elite Eight, but that's not how it went. No, it's not. And, and you know, one of the more frustrating parts of that game is just that because they had KJ Adams out of the game, it's just they were just settling for three after three with Grady Dick and Jalen Wilson not even going inside and just like yeah. taking threes. And it was it very quiet game for Grady. Yeah. So. Very uh, quiet we'll game. I mean, he's probably going to be, you know, a lottery pick. That's what they're projecting him right now from what I've seen. But and he's put on a lot of really good tape this year. But that that's not the best tape of of him. Let's just really? put it that way. So, so these these two West region regional semifinals is going to be awesome. It's with Arkansas, UConn and Gonzaga, UCLA. So looking forward to that. And some brand names that were household names before, like Absolutely. UCLA. UConn that had a couple of like leaner years, you know, weren't the powerhouses of the Carolinas, the Dukes, the Kentuckys, you know, they're, they're back. And one thing I did notice though, is the uniforms. They've gone back to the classic uniforms of like the late nineties, early two thousands. And I was, I'm a big fan, big fan, Arizona, UConn, even Duke, like, it's just it, – it, it was very visually appealing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Speaking of um, – we, we spoke about Miami uh, and, the, and the late seeds, you know, having a chance to win it and blowing them. Uh, I think it's time to put the, the narrative of the 5-12 uh, to bed because 12 seeds were 0-4 in the first round. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I just uh, the second you put a narrative away, then they're going to go four and zero next year. I'm sure, um, but yeah, I mean between Duke just dismantling Oral Roberts, um, and then like we said, just um, when they uh, San Diego State too, I believe it was a five seed that took care of Charleston, and then Drake blowing it. So uh, it's. Yeah. And then the St. Mary's game too, right? So um yeah, I mean it it's unfortunate. Two of those are are, are blown opportunities and you know, the other two just really never stood a chance. But uh you'll see next year they'll go four and I'm sure. And they had incredible records. The collective records going into the tournament were awesome. I mean, their win-loss record was crazy. And it just wasn't happening. It wasn't happening. Uh, but who it was happening for, again, is uh, Tom Izzo. Tom Izzo in that region, which is an absolute mess, an absolute mess. That's the Purdue region for everybody who's, you know, wondering. Tom Izzo does it again with a mediocre team back in the Sweet 16. You know, overdoing expectations going into the tournament. Seven seed, not his best team by far, but he's back. Totally. I mean, score they, one for the old guard. They did it. They did it. Um, they were great. Tyson Walker, what a what a performance. Um, he's from New York City, so he's gonna be back, and he'll. Probably be, then Michigan State travels pretty well, so I, I would assume there's gonna be a a more heavy Michigan State crowd than in K State, but um, we will see. But it was, yeah, really, really ballsy performance. They defended the hell out of Marquette. Um, they turned them over. 
dominated the glass. So I, yeah, that was an, an a really impressive performance from a team that I despise. Um, but uh, that region is something else. It's not what anyone would have predicted going into the tournament. Why can't they make the final four? Why can't they make the final four? They absolutely can make the final four. I mean, they, I think that right now, if I were, if I were to say the most impressive team in that, in that region right now, to me is Kansas state. Um, yes, that game, the game got out of hand at, in the last two minutes, but the shot making in Kansas state, Kentucky was insane. Insane. Feedway was a beast, but Marquise Noel, um, and Keontae Johnson were crazy. Marquise Noel specifically. Um, the step back threes, like he's like yeah. he's like five ten. Yeah, he's uh, it might even be five. Yeah, he's he's a tiny little guy, and he was just making huge, huge shots under immense pressure. Um, and it was just one after another. And then like Kentucky's just like, are you like we're up four? Are you kidding me again? Um, and yeah, and then and Kentucky, oi. Antonio Reeves, 0 of 14, and just kept shooting. It's like the wrath of that fan base is just going to be deployed on these guys. And you want to talk about Matt Painter being fired. Kentucky's fan base has no problem saying that Cal should be fired year after year. They're bringing in the number one recruiting class in America next year. They don't give a shit. <laughs> um, so uh, they uh, that was just something else. Is Cal legit on the hot seat? I don't. Think I feel so, like his contract is too big for them to buy it out. They they have a lot of money, um, but I don't. I don't know. He's definitely not in the hot seat because they're bringing in the best class in America next year. I think they have four of the top ten players in the class. It's crazy. Um, but and I have no. I don't. I haven't looked at a draft board, but I have no reason to believe that Oscar Shibwe is definitely in, in a first rounder. But um, he had about forty rebounds in the first two he's games. Crazy. Um, but again, K State, Michigan State should be a, a really, really high level game. And then on the other side, just Florida Atlantic, Tennessee. Who would have guessed that? Um, crazy. The guard who hit the step back three when they were down two with like two and a half minutes left for Kansas State, where it looked like Kentucky was like gonna go on and win, and he hits this step back three to give Kansas State the lead, which they never relinquished. I was like, that is a big-time shot. Yeah, Noel, he was – he's crazy. I mean, that was just – they were awesome. That was, that was awesome a fun, fun game. Fun, fun game. Fun game, yeah. But there's no reason why, like, Tom Izzo can't do it. I mean, so Rick Barnes has an interesting tournament history. Let's just say he's he's underachieved many a year's. Um, again, Kansas State is a newcomer. Florida Atlantic. I mean, come on, like it's all set up for Izzo again. It's 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 very possible. I mean, they you know they defend like crazy and they get after it on the glass. But I'm just you know Tyson Walker shot them out of that game. Uh, the rest of the team wasn't exceptional. And then yeah, we'll see. Tennessee is unbelievable. That's crazy because, again, he has that thing hanging over him too, Rick Barnes. And, you know, for them to do what they did, I, Duke was never really in that game. I mean, they really weren't, and they defended them like crazy. Um, Duke looked slow. Yeah. 
They looked so slow compared to Tennessee. Um, and you know they didn't. They didn't. I. I don't think they knew they were going to have Mitchell up until that game. So, uh, but still, either even without that, you're telling me you have Tyrese Proctor, Flapaski, Derek Lively, and Jeremy Roach, and you can't. You can't even compete. Um, and well, for a while, you know, Jeremy Roach was the only perimeter player who seemed capable of doing anything for long stretches of that game. Totally, but he also turned the ball over five times. So it's like. Anyway, it's that's gonna be that's gonna be a lot of fun. We'll see what happens there. That region is an absolute mess. Um, the other regions, though, obviously Gonzaga had a big win late last night. Close, close game against V. No, not VCU against uh, TCU. TCU, TCU um, which was which was super entertaining. Uh, UCLA and Gonzaga is a nice matchup of. Uh, of somewhat classic programs, brand names. So, I mean, there's still a lot going on over here in terms of the big names, even though a lot of them fell by the wayside. But in terms of the most impressive teams, like we still agree that Alabama right now has been the most impressive team, right? Like by far. I mean, Alabama is, yeah. I I watched with a bunch of Maryland guys and I was definitely rooting for Maryland and I plan to root for San Diego State. But Alabama is appears to be sleepwalking through this tournament. Um, I mean, Brandon Miller scored zero points. I know it was the first game. He scored zero points. And, you know, we shouldn't take the 116 for granted, considering we've seen the upset twice in the last four years. Uh, but he slept off through that game. I mean, he played okay against Maryland. He hasn't even had a, a great game yet. No. And, and you know, Maryland did not play well at all. Um, but Alabama, like, usually at least they're going to hit a few threes. Like, they they shot, like, 27% from three. They weren't that great. Um, and still, Javon Quinterly was really impressive. And, you know, Brandon Miller got his, but it's not like he lit the world on fire. And then they still just dismantled Maryland. So um, it's it's definitely a different different um, – opponent this weekend i mean you're playing against one of the best defensive teams in the country in san diego state with a ton of length and a ton of athleticism um so they're de- they're not going to be afraid either you know um so we'll see what happens there but um it should be should be a lot of fun so the round of 16 which is the game that you have circled that is an absolute must watch obviously all the games yeah. will be consumed, but if you had to pick one game that that you're really locked in on, which yeah, would be your pick? It, you know, it's it's easy. I, both of those West Region games for me, if I had to pick one, because for just talking sake, I, I probably Gonzaga UCLA. I mean, Gonzaga literally the number one offense versus UCLA the number one defense. I mean, that's as as good as it gets. These teams have seen each other before. Um, we all know that famous Jalen Suggs shot. Uh, so there's history there. Yep. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, this is – I'm so excited for this game. I think it's a total coin flip. Um, you know, Drew Timmy he has been great. Adam Bona's back. Um, and then just, yeah, Ami Hawkes, Julian Strother. There's no shortage of names here. Um, of big time college basketball players over the past couple of years. So that's one that I definitely have circled. 
um, in terms of other games that are really interesting to me. Um, Xavier and Texas also. Yeah. Texas is another team been playing really well. Um, Penn State gave it their all. And man, were they fun to watch throughout. Um, but Texas is a team um, that has just been a great story all season long, just with the coaching change and the interim coach just guiding them through here. And they've been playing so well over the past few weeks. Um, so having that the length of that Texas defense go up, go up against um, Nunji and Suli Boom of the Xavier offense, that's gonna be a lot of fun too. To me, it's Arkansas UConn. Uh, yeah, that's gonna be so much fun. <laughs> like that's that's gonna be an, a very interesting, interesting, interesting game. I mean. UConn plays at like a pace that that's not typical for your average college team. Like that game against Iona, shout out to Rick Pitino, who said he was dedicated to Iona, then signed a contract with St. John's maybe 15 minutes later, um, as Rick Pitino does. But, hey, he takes teams to the Final Four, so who gives a crap? Um, But, yeah, no, that pace had like a frenetic up-and-down pace uh, to it that you don't normally see in in the college ranks, which was, you know, interesting. So those two teams are going to definitely be getting after it. And Miami-Houston has the potential to be an absolute shootout. Like Miami's averaging like 85 points a game in this tournament. Like totally. crazy. Yeah. And Houston, if you had to pick one team that could maybe say that they're on Alabama's level right now, it's them. Yeah. You know, my, the Miami thing truly did surprise me. I didn't think Indiana would come out so flat um, last night. But that game, yeah, that game's super interesting. Isaiah Wong's shot making was unbelievable yesterday. Um, and for him to go up against a guy like Marcus Sasser is going to be so much fun. Um, we'll see. I mean, I just – I don't trust Miami defensively. Um, but we'll see. And, you know, Houston is, is really good. And uh, – but we need Houston to be healthy for that to happen. So we'll see. Yeah. So I think most people picked Kansas coming out of the West. So right now, if you had to pick a, a final four team from the West, who would it be? Yeah. I mean, I'm going to stick with UConn. I believe I, I believe I said them uh, last week. So I'm just going to stick with UConn in the West. And in the East? In the East. Oh, man. I, I you know, I, I'm <laughs> – I'm probably going to go with Kansas State. I just, man, those guards were just feeling it. There was something magical going on there. I don't know what it was, but the way they did that to Kentucky, I see no reason why they can't do it to to Michigan State, Florida, Atlantic, or Tennessee. So I'll, maybe I'll go with Kansas State and first-year coach Jerome Tang. And we're, we're obviously – and we're sticking with Alabama and Houston in the other two regions, correct? Yeah, I'm going to – Even gonna though stick- Texas – Texas could give Houston a nice a nice run in the Elite Eight if it comes no to that. No question about it. That would be that would be a lot of fun having a Houston Texas game. <laughs> would be a lot of fun. Uh, I I think Michigan State's going to do it. Shout out to Stanford Steve, who on part of my take, you know, bet Big Cat like fifteen hundred bucks that Michigan State. He said he, they were going to go to the Final Four. Big Cat was like, absolutely not. And now it's like all lined up. It's lined up for Izzo to do it again uh, with a seven-seeded Michigan State team. I know that brings uh, a slight tear to your eye, but it is what it is. I mean, it, it couldn't have broken better for them. Yeah, good for them, little brother.
<laughs> the saltiness is great. We still think Alabama is going to take the whole thing down, correct? I, I yeah, there's no reason to stop, but you know, they yeah, they're a train. Absolute juggernaut. It's I mean, it was a, a very very eventful first weekend, and the Sweet 16 is going to be great. And Jordan, we thank you again for coming on to talk all about it. Uh, we're probably going to have to run it back next Monday about the same time. And I look forward to doing it, sir. Thanks so much again. Can't wait. Princeton, Final Four. Here we go. Let's do it. <laughs> Shout out to the Garden State. Tri-State area represent. Let's go. I'll speak. Right. Later. Bye. Take care. Thanks again to recurring guest Jordan Marks, practically co-host Jordan Marks, for coming on, recapping opening weekend of the NCAA tournament. What a weekend it was. I did not bring up the Edward Diaz injury to him. I figured he has enough on his plate right now. He can't think about it right this minute. So good stuff from him as always. That's episode 202 for the love of the game. Take us out for you. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.